Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello everyone, welcome to the afternoon here on Ausbids Live from the Brangaroo Studios. Uh, you've tuned in for the call. Uh, 10 stocks uh, picked by you, I put them to an expert panel. We do it all in one hour on this Wednesday the 21st of August. Running a bit late because um, uh, Kyle's interview with, um, with Ryan Stokes um, just before we came on, which I thought was fascinating. In fact, I could listen to Ryan Stokes all day. Um, let's bring in our, uh, our expert panel, Henry Jennings from Marcus Today and Andrew Willer from DP Wealth Advisory. Uh, good afternoon. Uh, I think the interview with Ryan Stokes should have gone far longer. Don't you yeah, think, Henry? Obviously, I, I think it should have gone for days, Koshy. Actually, I think it should have gone from I think it should have gone from sunset to sunrise. Yeah, <laughs> perfect. All right, Andrew, how are you? How's our favourite Queenslander? Uh, thanks, Koshy. No, going well, and uh, yeah, beautiful day here today. We just cracked zero on the apparent temperature, so we're about oh. to bring out the sunscreen here. Oh, excellent, excellent. <laughs> All right, get the heaters up. All right, let's get straight into it because you two always have a lot to say and it's all good. Uh, And we've got a fascinating group of uh, stocks for the first half hour. We're going to be covering Altium, Breville, EML Payments. Well, that's timely given uh, news this morning. Uh, Then we're going to uh, go Lithium with uh, Pilbara Minerals and also Core Lithium. But stock of the day, thought we'd take a look at Domino's. It's moving from uh, dealing with COVID impacts to facing inflation, telling shareholders it will reduce costs, maximise benefits of scale and lift prices where appropriate comes as the company's underlying profit fell 12.5%. Network sales up 4.6%. Uh, it opened 294 new stores in FY22 financial year and has already opened 13 new stores in July. Wow, don't forget, it's not just Australia, it's uh, uh, in Europe and Japan and the like. Uh, sales so far this year are down on last year, not providing clear guidance, but will pay a final dividend of uh, uh, 68 uh, cents per share. Um, Chief Executive Domino's on a little earlier to uh, talk about the outlook. Have a look. Once we roll this September period with Europe and Asia, um, then, you know, Australia New Zealand business is already really strong. It's some of our best numbers in, in years. It's the superstar right now. And I, I hope that by the time we get the AGM, you can see a positive number. By the half year, definitely see a positive number. We would have already now taken on those three markets. We'll have really strong store count growth and we'll be back to normal momentum. There's always a there's always a, a, a condition on that in this new world. What else happens in Europe? You know, the, the, mm-hmm. with energy this winter, there are some unknown factors in amongst that. But if we try to think about what we know today and what we're doing, that would be my expectation that this is. And, and whilst we don't give guidance, we do give a three to five year outlook, three to six percent same source sales, eight to ten percent store count network growth before acquisition. And if you count the acquisitions we've been doing, then you really blow those numbers away. So, you know, we're saying that we'll be over 4,000 stores by the end of next year. But well, with this acquisition, we're going to go way, way through that. By 26, 27, we'll be 5,000 stores. And our longer outlook is 7,000 stores. So it's natural that, you know, we've just had to come out of this COVID period. We've had inflation and, and shareholders just need to see that that's definitely uh, something that we're doing well with by the AGM in February. And I think we're going to show that. All right. Okay. Market responded uh, pretty well today. The uh, shares are up something like five bucks at the moment. Um, Don, always a good performer. Henry, what do you think of the result and uh, the explanation from, from Don there? 
is Don is good. <laughs> um, I think, you know, Don is a very, very polished performer, isn't he? And yeah. soothes market nerves, which, uh, frankly, you know, the results weren't exactly spectacular. Um, and uh, in, you know, in normal circumstances, we've seen how the market does punish. But I guess one thing that is going in their favour, I mean, these guys are a franchise operator and they only have set regions where they can operate those franchises. Now, they are taking over uh, 600 new stores, 287 stores in Malaysia, Singapore, and Cambodia. I'm not sure how much the demand for Domino's Pizza is in Cambodia, but oh, there you that's go. All you, that's all you said about Japan. Well, <laughs> but yeah, and, and it's proved to be true. Uh, Japan has been uh, not doing very well uh, recently. But um, I, I think this one, for me, is a buy. I'm a bit of a pizza mm. snob, I must admit, but I think this one is a buy. Cheese prices have come down uh, around 10% in the last uh, month or so. So that is a positive. And, and Don talked about uh, some of the import costs coming down. Also, they put the surcharge on deliveries, uh, which took into account the rising fuel prices. And I bet your bottom dollar that now the fuel price has come down a little bit. Uh, they haven't taken that surcharge off. So that will end up being sticky, uh, which is good news as well. And you'd have to think that in an environment where economic growth is slowing and we are seeing recessionary risks, uh, certainly in Europe and gas prices, oil prices, etc. in Europe and electricity in the UK, absolutely through the roof. Um, the humble pizza at uh, five, six bucks is going to make a bit of a comeback. Mm. So I, I think this one has been uh, a little oversold and it's got a short position around three and a bit percent. And certainly the uh, the new Asian strategy does give it a growth leg. And as you know, Don does talk a good talk. So, uh, you know, yeah. it's up uh, nearly nine percent today. But certainly, you know, we have seen those cost pressures starting to abate a little bit. I guess staffing issues still remains somewhat of a problem because we know staff are short uh, in terms of uh, not their stature, but in terms of uh, finding the <laughs> staff. But um, yeah, for me, this is a buy. Uh, it's fallen a hell of a long way, yes. to be honest, uh, Koshi. And uh, it's showing signs of growth again. Mm. Andrew? Yeah, look, uh, Koshi, I, I think it's a buy as well. Um, certainly the uh, performance over the last 12 months hasn't been too flash, down 51% prior to today. So uh, there's a, a fair bit to go there yet. And for all the common sense reasons that my learned friend was just going through relating to labour shortages, uh, input costs, and of course, as Don was saying, the uh, the dark cloud on the horizon for them is around Europe. But uh, I, I think they're, they're pulling all the, the right levers and uh, I think it's a buy. Consensus is $89 uh, um, in the uh, earnings call just before they were talking about uh, cheese, which is their biggest input. Uh, costs are starting to abate a little bit there and that they're actually looking at increasing some prices but maintaining value at the other end. So, you know, what they call that barbell strategy. So they seem to uh, be going about it the right way. Um, yep, yeah, it's a buy. Okay. All right, uh, let's, um, uh, that's a good way to start the show. Let's see if we can keep the roll on. Uh, Matty wants a view, uh, Andrew, on Altium. Um, had a, a bumper uh, report after the close uh, on Monday. Uh, what was a 23% uh, increase in revenue, uh, earnings, um, a margin of 36%. Um, shot the lights out on Tuesday. The, uh, the software company that helps people design circuit boards. Uh, what do you think of Altium? Yeah, so we helped float Altium in my Macquarie days, and I'm pretty sure Henry was there uh, when when that was on. So certainly have followed Altium for, for quite a period of time, and for a number of years it didn't do a lot. And then certainly the last four or five years it's sort of really taken off. And if you sort of, as you just said, they came out with a great result, and in particular, you know, they came out with some pretty good sort of guidance as well. In particular, though, there does seem to be a bit of a shift in the language, whereby previously it was we're just going to try and get as many subscribers as possible. From memory, I think they were talking about trying to have 100,000 subscribers. The language seems to be tempering a little bit. The language is now, well, we're actually going to try and get as much or yield. We're going to try and just get much return 
out of the clients that we have. So it's a, it's a nuance, but you know, if I was a glass half empty type of guy, which I'm not, uh, you know, are they backpedaling from that hundred thousand subscribers? But certainly, as you said, the numbers were great. I like the business. It is trading above consensus. Consensus is about thirty three dollars. It's trading at about thirty six at the moment. But as you know, one of my key measures, Koshi, strong return on equity, twenty one percent, twenty five percent margin. Um, it's it's a good business. It's got momentum, and I don't think I've done this in the three and a half years I've been lucky enough to be on the call. Two buys in a row, Koshi. No, okay. Excellent. Um, Henry, what, what did you... Oh, uh, he just grimaced then. I must admit, Alchem Al came up about 10 days ago when Mathan and Gaurav were on, and uh, Mathan made the, the big claim that he thought um, it was up there with Ordinate as one of the best platform stocks on the market. And he had it as a nibble 10 days ago. He's a really big fan of it. Uh, what about you, Henry? I've got to love a nibble, Koshy. Um, <laughs> well, prior to the 10 days ago, we were talking about this one on the investment committee yes. back in Ju- July. Yep. Uh, I think in July 28th, I wrote this one up in the newsletter following a discussion on the investment committee because we came to the conclusion that this one was due an earnings surprise and therefore was a buy. And that, of course, is what we've seen, that earnings surprise from Octopart especially, uh, really helping things there. And they have some pretty grandiose kind of aspirational targets as well. So this one's been going well. It's come, you know, it's it's re-rated very quickly. That's the only thing. So that there is, a, you know, I'm a little bit concerned about the vertical line that sort of they rally 20% in a day. Yep. But the results were good. And although there have been some upgrades to uh, to brokers forecast, there's some guys still lagging behind a little bit. I think this one is is, is a hold. I'm not going to go buy only because yeah. it has rallied sort of that 20% on those results. And we were expecting uh, a surprise. Uh, I know you could, that's a bit of a, a strange thing to say, but we were expecting a surprise. You can't really expect a surprise, can you? Otherwise, it wouldn't really be a surprise. But it's something that we, we did talk about back uh, in that investment yes committee with with you uh, I guess nearly a month ago now and uh, you know we we pointed out that maybe it was due an upgrade and the results would surprise so it has uh, for me it's a hold here I can't say it's a buy given the um, I guess that the the headwinds that we're facing at the moment somewhat in the market and the fact that uh, you know we have some some pivotal events in the next few weeks and September's coming around and that can be a bit trickier but certainly great results good surprise yeah Uh, if it came back to 33 bucks I'd be a buyer again but uh, here at above 36 bucks I think it's a hold if you if you got in a month ago uh, you've had a a month ago yeah yeah yeah, you followed us on the investment committee, and, and yeah, as I say, I wrote yeah, it up afterwards. Nice. I had a look at it. Just hold on. You're, you're doing a great job. Well done, guys. You're in. Yep. And hold on. Yep. No reason to do anything. Okay. Um, Sam wants a view, um, Henry, on Breville, the big homeware, kitchenware, I suppose, appliance business that uh, did incredibly well during lockdown. Big stake held by uh, Solomon Lou as well, Premier Investments. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a class act, isn't it? Mm. Let's face it, Breville, uh, the coffee machines, they've just recently completed a takeover of uh, a sort of an upmarket coffee machine from Maker in Italy, which is good. Um, but, you know, it, it's bounced. I mean, so many of these things have bounced a long way from their June lows. This was at 1750 and here we are back at $21. I think for me, this is a hold. It was, wasn't a bad result. Uh, by any stretch of the imagination, but revenue growth did moderate slightly. Uh, so that is uh, an issue. And of course, we do have some macro headwinds, um, but uh, they have got some product launches coming up. For me, this one at the moment, just coming off, just under a little bit of pressure. I think this is a hold here. We could see a little more downside, but it's certainly a good quality long-term company, strategic shareholder, very well uh, great at execution but uh, clearly you know if we do see economies slow the uh, propensity to rush out and buy your thousand dollar breville machine uh, of whatever it makes whether it's coffee or pizza is going to be tempered down a little bit especially given that they have got a massive business in europe of course yeah. uh, which is going through its own problems and crises yeah. uh, with um, with power prices etc and the recession looming there yeah 
Absolutely. Yeah, uh, what was it, Germany? 37% inflation the other day because of energy uh, that, that was the PP, That was the PPI month yeah. on month. Uh, the, U, there's one, there's a Citigroup are, are forecasting that UK inflation will get to over 18% wow. next year because of energy prices. And they have this, uh, you know, it's been a massive failure of the government there to yeah. uh, to plan for what's happening at the moment. Massive yeah. failure. Extraordinary. Um, yeah. uh, Andrew, what do you think of Breville? I like it as a business, but um, I'm sort of concerned about the result. The result was okay, but what we saw in the result was a big build-up in inventories. So, of course, you can look at it in one of two ways. You can take management on face value saying that September to December is where they sell most of their kettles and toasters and pizza ovens, and given all the supply chain issues, they want to make sure they've got as much stuff as possible to sell, which is a you know very reasonable one might even say smart way to do do with it but you know devil's advocate says what happens if they can't sell it and they're stuck with it so uh that's sort of my concern so on on that basis it's a hold but you know um henry's right they're a class act uh you've got solly lou there sitting on the uh, on the registry with 27 percent um but it's not value at this stage if you if we were heaven forbid to retest that sort of june low 17 18 dollars you'd be all over it like a cheap suit okay all right. Uh, <laughs> so hold at the moment, wait for the cheap suits to come on sale and then in. Um, would you be all over EML payments like a cheap suit, Andrew? Uh, Jenny wants to know. Uh, boy, oh boy, they can't take a trick, can they? They're out again today saying there's uh, more fraud issues um, and down another 10% today. It's extraordinary. And Kosh, if it waddles like a duck and it quacks like a duck, generally it's a duck. And uh, yeah, not not interested in this uh, duck at all. Um, it's got a number of issues. Obviously, you know, when I saw the the list yesterday afternoon from uh, superstar producer Libby, I went, mm, that's an interesting one. And of mm. course, uh, that news this morning where they were suspended, and I just went, could it get much worse for them? It's uh, this is not a business that we have exposure to as a business and. I wouldn't be advocating the humble, esteemed, loyal Osby's viewers have much exposure to this either. It's just been a train wreck. Um, and if you look at the underlying financials, the numbers, the numbers are ordinary. It's got an ROE of 1% per annum. It's got a 1% per annum profit margin. Um, yeah, I mean, if you look at it on a forecast earnings for what that's worth, it's a PE of 14 relative to forecast earnings of 35%. So on that measure, that lens, it's cheap. But what risk are you being asked to take on board? And this is just one that we've seen today. Never mind all the issues they've been working through the Central Bank of Ireland. Uh, you know, more to do, extra oversight. That's not exactly a, a good announcement to see. You've got a new CEO there. There's lots of reasons not to be there, Koshi. It's certainly not a sell, but it's a bear hold, as in barely holding bear, on. Barely hold. Um, Henry, it always seen a fairly innocuous business, is it? You know, gift cards, <sighs> storage cards. Who would have thought that... Who would? <laughs> who would have thought that that, uh, that could be used for fraud um, and money laundering? Well, you've only what got to ask my daughter. What could go wrong? You've only got to ask my daughter, who was uh, conned out of about three grand on a uh, on a credit card, on a, a gift card scam. Uh, oh. Silly girl. Um, so um, that it does happen. EML. I guess you know one of the things that struck me, uh, and some time ago I attended one of their, um, you know, their, their dog and pony shows where they show you how smart they are and how these wonderful people around the world I think it was coming from Spain and it was so complicated I had no idea at the end of it what they did I thought they were a humble gift card provider yes. and people buy that but they've got you know all these payment systems all these other systems they were all things to all men across Europe emanating radiating out of the uh, the Republic of Air uh, which hasn't gone so well the Central Bank of Ireland has had some issues with them to say the least and that has put the slide in now the results actually were greeted relatively okay and there was a bit of a short squeeze and there is potential for private equity to have a little sniff at this one and it has been rumored in the papers but again as you say can't take a trick another 
uh, fraudulent Sentinel. Uh, I think it's uh, you know, they're talking about seven million dollars maximum loss, which isn't a massive amount in the big scheme of things. But it just comes on the back of a litany of disasters. New CEO with Emma Shand, as Andrew rightly points out, strategic review going on. Uh, I suspect that Emma won't have, um, you know, the, the, this this company will struggle, but somebody at some stage will put it out of its misery and right. get it back on tr- back on track. Now, it's fallen 16% today. And, uh, you know, as I say, the results weren't too bad, strategic review and all that sort of stuff. I think around, you know, if it fell, say, another 10%, I think this one might be worth looking at. It's not an outright buy, but there is always a price for everything. Everything right. does have a price. Okay. And uh, we know that there's a lot of vultures out there. There's a lot of private equity money waiting to nibble at stuff. And this could be one of those. So for me, it is a tentative buy around the sort of 80 level. If it went to 70, I think it gets more compelling. Uh, there is a business in there. There is a simple business. I think they've just created it. It's just you know too okay. many moving parts. They need to simplify it. But if you're already in it and you've ridden it down, Duh. You'd you'd hold a it'd be it'd be a hold from uh, yes. like Andrew was saying it if because you've you've just been massacred so if there's well, a glimmer you have of luck massacred yeah yeah I think I think it is a hold but any further weakness I think it might be uh, interesting to uh, mm. for new shareholders who have got a huge appetite for risk and disappointment yeah. which this one has proved in bucket loads. You know, this could be interesting around that seventy-five level because everything does have a price. Yeah, Andrew, you're are I you wagging your finger? Yeah. I was just going to say, I think we have a podcast title. What's if you're, that? If, you're re- if you're looking for disappointment, <laughs> so you've come to the right place. <laughs> right, that'd be a winner, wouldn't it? Well, podcast. If you're looking for disappointment, come and listen to us. Yeah, no. That will be my next podcast. <laughs> All right, uh, let's turn our attention to lithium for uh, a couple of stocks. Uh, Martin and Rosie, both one of you, Henry on Pilbara Minerals. I know this has been a favourite of of yours for a while, hasn't it? Uh, They're actually a miner. Uh, Martin says, seems to be a cash cow in the making. Is Martin getting carried away there? And Rosie says, uh, uh, given the marvellous results of Pilbara Minerals, uh, where do we go from here? Uh, Rosie's thinking it's still... A buy. Um, marvelous results there. Um, yes. <laughs> thank um, you, Richie. Uh, yeah, thank you, Richie. Uh, PLS, I guess, basically, Pilbara Minerals. I have been a devoted fan of yes. this one and the lithium sector for a long time, and I've seen it down, I've seen it up. I actually yesterday sold, I know this is sacrilege, Ooh. I sold Pilbara minerals on the back of that result in my small cap portfolio i have to say let's see a few downgrades coming through this morning from one or two brokers the perma bull which is macquarie uh, still have a five dollar sixty price target on this uh, the result was a little bit um you know we knew they were going to make a mozza let's face it you know the lithium price is huge they are a producer uh, they have struggled with uh, staffing and some of the cost pressures, which do seem to be uh, starting to work their way, th- their way through the system. Uh, this one stuttered around a little bit on the back of the results uh, this morning, and uh, or rather yesterday, and it's it's kind of it's trying to form a base and push higher again. I think it will long term. I was just quite keen to take a little bit of money off the table in some of these stocks because they have run very hard and resources when they're hot, they're hot. But when they're cold, they're cold. And at some stage, you know, we saw it when Goldman Sachs came out with their lithium report saying basically, you know, the next two years we're going to see price destruction uh, rather than uh, keeping these sort of elevated levels. And the market went into a conniption and and fell uh, across the board. So I'm not suggesting that we're going to see a similar report come out. But for me, you know, resources are cyclical. You buy and you sell them. And I've been a big buyer, a big fan all the way up. But I think now there's just the little point where I'm happy to sit back, take the money, relax and uh, have a look and see how things go. The result was good. They are a cash cow, but they didn't pay a dividend. Um, So great. They're a cash cow. But, um, you know, that that money's being plowed back into the business to some extent. New CEO as well. Uh, It's definitely a hold. But as I say, but you sold. Yeah, I did. 
I did. And you can't hold something you've sold. But as I say, you know, if you're coming to this, if you're, I'm only selling it because I've just enjoyed such a massive run in this one. Right. Same as okay. I have. So you've taken profits, basically. So I've, I've taken a profit. But if you can go you know, buy, hold, sell, you know, I'm not thinking this is going to go back to $2.50, but it could drift back to 3 bucks. in which case you load up again. Right. Okay. Andrew? Yeah, consensus is 3.28, so we're, where are we at the moment? We're 3.38, so it's in line, probably a little bit higher, but I'm with Henry. It's a hold at the moment. At $3, it's a buy. Um, yeah, I mean, the PE is 8. Even on, you know, the current share price, yeah. PE of 8, forecast earnings growth next year of 60%. So on that basis, it's a screaming buy, but equally so, as we just saw with the chart before, it's basically just gone vertical, so we just need it to draw breath. September, October is generally a tricky time of year for markets. This is going to be super volatile during that time. And if you're patient, which we know Osby's viewers are and listeners, then uh, $3 is probably around the mark, so it's a hold. Okay. All right, but around three dollars, you'd get back in again. Um, all right, yep. stay, staying on lithium, uh, go from a producer to an explorer, but uh, um, has had a pretty good run over the last couple of weeks. Call Lithium Jihad says, "I've got two positive investments in lithium companies that are on the march again: Core and Sayona Mining. Is it? Um, which company does the panel feel has the best long-term prospects over one to two years, Andrew?" Well, Koshi, we know that I'm the ETF whisperer, right? Uh, but we, of course, have the lithium expert. Okay. So I might defer to my learned friend to begin with and then put my two cents in afterwards. Okay. Uh, Henry, do you want to take the lead on this? Uh, yeah, I will, <laughs> Koshi. Um, Core Lithium, I have owned this one for five years and it has served me very, very well. Five years ago, they were five cents. Right. Here we are at a dollar forty, and I sold the last of my core core lithium uh, the other week at a uh, dollar fifty-two when they had a, a bit of a, a surge higher. You know, th- these things were eighty-five cents at the uh, in the middle of July. Here we are at the end of August, and they're a dollar forty. So you know, there is a significant amount of volatility involved in this one. Both Sayona and Core Lithium around about the same market size, 2.4 billion. So they're not small caps. Core Lithium has a project called Finis up uh, near Darwin, about 90 k's from Darwin, and they will be Australia's next lithium producer. But the thing in Darwin, although is fantastic, it's not the biggest uh, project in the entire universe as far as lithium goes, and they are exploring like crazy to add resources and to uh, develop that project beyond what they've already discovered. I, I, I like this stock. I like I like the sector. It's just you know when this thing's run from in the, in a month and a half from eighty five to a dollar forty, they actually hit a dollar sixty. You know, it doubled yep. in, uh, in 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 a month. You know, for me, you just got to take profits when you can. And uh, sometimes, you know, you might go a little early. Sometimes you might go a little uh, late and regret it because these things, they're not numbers on doors. They do move around. They are cyclical. Sayona uh, looks as if it's going to kick a little bit more than uh, than uh, at the moment. It's got potential back up towards, you know, the mid-30s, I suspect. But um, out of the two of them, I guess I know core better. And uh, but again, as I say, I've just been taking the top off some of these lithium stocks because they've just run so hard, yeah. so quickly, and uh, it, it only takes uh, something from the Chinese government to say, you know what, guys, we're going to put an edict in place to get the lithium price down because we can't afford to produce electric vehicles at the moment because it's too high, and right. you know these things drop ten percent. So, so uh, would you take for- profits on both? Well, I'm out of court completely for right. me personally, so you'll, you'll uh, and I, I would I would continue to sell into strength for Sayona and also right. Core Lithium as well. Right. Okay, Andrew. Yeah. So again, you know, Henry's obviously the expert in this space, but my simple brain looks at it and says that uh, Core is the lower cost producer. 
Uh, and so to me, I'd probably, if you know, to answer the viewers' questions, I'd have core over Sioza. However, in my, I agree entirely, given that both the sector has just gone ballistic, you need, if you are a trader, you must be taking some profits along the way because easy come, easy go. And again, I keep labouring the point, but September and October, difficult months of the year. We've got Jackson Hole coming at the end of the week. Uh, we've got quantitative tightening uh, really ramping up 90 five billion dollars a month in the US there's going to be a bit of pain about and this sector uh, is going to feel it when people are wanting to de-risk so take profits where you okay. can all right let's recap the first five stocks uh, including stock of the day which is domino a buy from both Andrew and Henry on domino uh, LTM a buy from Andrew a hold from Henry Breville a hold from both um, EML payments, absolutely battered. If it got to between 70 and 80 cents, it's pretty close there. Uh, Henry would start to look at it uh, because there's a price for everything and some private equity could be looking at it. It's a weak hold from Andrew if you've had to to go through it all. Uh, You've been absolutely massacred. You know, don't get out now. Uh, Pilbara and Core uh, basically take profits on that lithium sector if you've uh, if you've been there because they've had a great run. Uh, here on uh, the call, we've been tracking our own high conviction fantasy fund, which is picked by our investment committee. Uh, the latest episode uh, and committee meeting is live on the Ausbiz platform right now. Um, heading into August, uh, the committee took profits on Ordinate. Um, Oz Minerals was added and they up their holding in Woodside. If we see how it's uh, performing since the 1st of March, uh, about 2.5% up on a cumulative um, effect. Keep sending your um, suggestions in for the call because that's the first filter that gets up to the investment committee. Dominoes goes up to the investment committee, which I think is already in the the portfolio. At CMC, we've been in the game for a while. And although a lot of things have changed, our mentality hasn't. We aim to give experienced traders the best trading experience, like our expert platform with its second-to-none trading tools. Plus, our pricing is completely transparent. That's why people who've been trading for a long time stay with us for a long time. So if you're serious about trading, switch to the market leader trusted for over 30 years. Trade CFDs your way at cmcmarkets.com. You don't own underlying assets. Consider relevant PDS and TMD or information memorandum for CMC Pro accounts at our website. In this half hour, we're looking at uh, Macquarie, uh, FlexiRome, uh, the BetaShares Global Cybersecurity ETF, uh, Mada and Kogan. All right, uh, Dekel wants a view on uh, Macquarie, guys. Um, he has a, a slight preference. He says only slight for a comment from uh, from Henry about Macquarie. I'm a recent holder of that stock. Think of accumulating against uh, selling NAB. Um, uh, dividend payout ratio is lower, but the upside over the long-term period looks better for Macquarie. What are your thoughts on it? Of course, it's the old alma mater of both Andrew and Henry as well, so they know it backwards. Um, what do you see in Macquarie, Henry? Uh, well, I wouldn't say backwards, Koshi. It was 22 years since I left uh, <laughs> left the, the hallowed halls of Macquarie Bank. In fact, I just got invited back to the, uh, the Macquarie Equities Golf Tournament, which is taking place oh. in Queensland, which I'm quite looking forward to. I might pop in and see Mr. Wyland when I'm up there. Um, as far as uh, MacBank goes, well, I, you know what? It's... Um it's kind of sacrilege, uh, Marcus, today to uh, to talk bad of Macquarie. So I'm I'm not going to talk bad at Macquarie, but it, it's no. not really doing what it's supposed to do at the moment. Uh, the problem, I guess, is that it does have uh, market leverage, and that works for and against. And we have seen, and as Andrew points out, September and October can be a bit tricky month. So it has seen a little bit of a, sort of a downdraft in recent days. Uh, it did bounce well as the whole market did off those June lows of around $160. Uh, and here we are at sort of $174. So it's it's a hold from me. Um, we did have it as a, a bit of a trade in one of our portfolios and we took some profits on it because it just wasn't doing uh, really what it's supposed to. If, if you're looking at buying between Macquarie and National Bank, they are very, very different companies. 
very, very different banks. And uh, Macquarie has a lot more exposure to the US, has a lot of exposure to Europe. One thing I do get a bit concerned with, of course, is that, you know, we've, we've seen a, a kind of a, a massive drop off in M&A activity. And this is, you know, kind of bread and butter to Macquarie. The number of IPOs that are in the pipeline, the number of big deals that are around. Also in Australia, I know it's not a, a massive factor because they're so global. You know, we've got Baron Joey Capital, which has made some pretty big inroads into uh, that side of the business. They're all ex-UBS guys. So that that is probably hurting them a little bit. On the fund management side, we've seen how the ETF market, and Andrew will talk about those, uh, I'm sure, as the whisperer does. Um, and that has made intros in the funds management side of things. So I, for me, it's a hold. It's got leverage to the market. If the market is going to continue to uh, to bounce off its lows that we've seen in the last couple of days, then maybe this will perk up still. But for me, it's a hold. And they have pushed aggressively into the mortgage market as well. And uh, that that's interesting. I actually went through the exercise the other day of applying uh, for a uh, loan to look at an investment property, and, and they quoted me a pretty ritzy rate. Maybe I'm a terrible, terrible credit risk. Um, but what was surprising is no one ever bothered to phone me right. and say, and say, hey, can we help? Can we, right. uh, you know, it, well, that was the end of the process. A week ago, not a dicky bird from them. And I don't think that's great. Right. Um, so it's a hold. Is it, uh, um, compare it to the big four. Is there any in the big four that you prefer over Macquarie? Uh, well, I, I, you know, the two preferences at the moment, CBA and NABs, um, you know, I always say bank with uh, or buy the bank that you bank with because at least then you get your own back when they pay out the dividends yeah. because you're paying the fees. Uh, but certainly, you know, CBA is the is the top of the heap, but they have right. their problems. NABs turn the corner. Um, you know, it's, it's really right. just a toss up. They, they all do the same thing at the end of the day. OK, Andrew. Uh, I might answer that second question first because it's an interesting one. Um, if I was a trader, I'd buy ANZ or Westpac because they're the ones that have got the most ability to catch up as in yeah. the market has not factored in yeah. the, the fact that they're doing a good job because they're not, frankly. Uh, whereas um, CBA, you're paying over the odds and NAB, you're paying about the right odds, if I can put it that way. Right. Uh, or the other way to play it, of course, the Whisperer MVB, which is the uh, Vanek uh, Bank basket so it's a bit like henry's big bank basket we basically get all of all of them in one go but specifically to the query about macquarie um look i I tend to agree with henry i think it's a hold and but only because of that market leverage piece we are coming into that tricky period of time if we do happen to come off a bit the um you will find that macquarie will come off a same amount if not a bit more it's trading below consensus consensus at the moment is about 200 odd bucks uh, I, I like it a lot, but it's a hold at these levels. Okay, lines. but Dekel is is saying he will get out of NAB to put into Macquarie. You wouldn't do that, Henry, if you're saying NAB has better prospects, huh? Well... They're very different companies, Koshi, as you know. I mean, NAB, NAB is yeah. a uh, is a high street building society. Macquarie yeah. is an investment bank that takes risk and does well out of uh, volatile markets. So that they are very different beasts. Right. And depending on what you're trying to achieve, if you're looking for income and boredom uh, with little growth, then that's probably National Australia Bank. If you're looking for market leverage and a little bit more uh, sex and sizzle and excitement in your life, then maybe uh, Macquarie's the way to go. Certainly, you know, at the moment, okay. they're probably both hold. Uh, but they are very different investments. They're not comparable, I don't think. Good point. Uh, John wants to view um, Henry on Flexi Rome. Um, John says, a small Hail Mary on the cusp of profitability. Directors are buying one for the visionaries. Do you agree with uh, with John? It's uh, sort of a, a little telco, uh, to, is it, that uh, provides connectivity across different platforms to uh, to companies. Yeah, it is. Um, Twenty eight million dollar market cap. It's it's hard to. I must admit, it's hard to get excited about this one. Liquidity is a bit of an issue. Uh, the share register is uh, quite diverse. Uh, lots of four and five percent holders of this. These guys provide uh, the ability to do data roaming on an eSIM. Um, I was looking at this because this is quite pertinent to me because I'm heading off to um, to Europe and the UK to see my dear old mum uh, on Friday. And so I'm looking at for a kind of a data solution that I can use for global roaming while I'm away. So I had a little look at FlexiRoam uh, in that respect. So looking at the Europe th- 30 gig for 10 days and free eSIM, 
Uh, that was $225. Oh. Now, that is not a cheap solution. No. Um, the 7 gig for 24 days is $79. Now, um, I know that there's obviously some roaming issues now because of Brexit, that if you have a UK phone, you don't get the same uh, roaming ability in Europe as you used to because that's all changed. And, of course, uh, a lot of the phone providers have uh, suffered through COVID because there hasn't been the roaming. For instance, with Vodafone, you pay another 5 bucks a day and you can use the phone anywhere. Mm. And it's the same as having your plan here, which to me sounds like a much better option than FlexiRoam. So the, the, tech, the money that they, you know, the revenue is not huge. Uh, it's $28 million market cap. It's kind of a bunch of insiders that are playing with this thing. It bobs around between three, three and a half and four and a half cents. Really, you know, you look at the volume today is 18,000 shares. Right. Not, uh, you know, if, if you want to play this one, rate but um you know you could get locked in the spread is 4.2 to 4.7 so you, you know yeah. it's just, it's just too hard and i think you know i, I certainly won't be going to flexi Rome when i hit uh, heathrow on saturday morning that's mm. for sure okay andrew can you hear that quacking noise koshi there's <laughs> the duck back again the, the duck has, uh, and it's not pluck a duck either um no i um uh, this, is, this is a hard no. Uh, to Henry's point, 11,000 shares a day on average traded. So we're obviously having a great day today with 18,000 going through. Um, they've got four quarters worth of cash left on their current cash burn. They've got significant exposure to Europe, and we've spoken at length today about the challenges facing Europe. So, no, no I, uh, I'm, I'm a hard no on this one, sorry. All right. Uh, Andrew Dion says, I've got one for the EFT Whisperer, uh, the BetaShares Global Cybersecurity ETF uh, hack. Uh, recently paid a distribution in July of $0.68 cents a unit, approximately 7% yielded today's share price. Um, was this a one-off or special distribution as other tech ETFs don't pay anything like this? So is it a buy? Uh, two parts to that question, Koshi, relating to the dividend. Yeah, look, it was a great distribution, but it wasn't a function of income per se. It was a reweighting of the index or the holdings within the index and therefore crystallisation of profits. So, and it only pays once a year. So it was great that it did it, but you for, you shouldn't for one moment be thinking about this from an income perspective. Right. Uh, if you happen to get some income, that's fantastic. Uh, is it a buy? So, of course, Qual is the one ETF to rule them all, but the second most favourite. I'm not sure if you can have favourite ETFs, as like children, I guess. Um, but my second favourite is Hack. And the reason is because I believe cybersecurity is not only counter-cyclical, but it's in fact becoming more and more high growth because certainly in like financial services, there was recently a case, the RI case for those who have got some spare time and want to do some Googling about ASIC's view on cybersecurity and how they're sort of dealing with licensees. But even from a broader business point of view, you talk to any businesses that have tried to get cyber security insurance recently, three years ago, they couldn't give it away. My broker is now telling me one in three are getting knocked back wow. because of how many claims there are, how difficult it is to actually protect yourself. So I'm very relaxed with Hack. Uh, some of the names in there, there's Cloudflare, there's CrowdStrike, there's Palo Alto, which came up with some great results there last night, night before. So no, Hack is a core thematic, if there is such a thing. Hmm, okay. It's a buy. So, okay. Henry? Um, well, I don't mind the theme, uh, and obviously cybersecurity is a massive thing. Whatever happened to the Russian cybersecurity attack on Ukraine? Here we are six months into the war, and it's uh, Ukraine's Independence Day today, yep. and there was going to be this massive, massive attack from Russia on uh, on the Ukraine with cyber attacks. We didn't see that. Anyway, um, hack hold for me. Uh, I know very little about CrowdStrike or Cloudflare or Zscaler. Or, or Sentinel-1. I do know that it's a big issue, obviously, cyber, but I also know that it's expensive. You know, people that can combat cybersecurity, I can't believe they're cheap, uh, to be honest. And, you know, we are seeing wages and uh, that side of things blowing out. Um, it's, it's a hold, great thematic. I'm not sure this is the right way to play it. 
but uh, it obviously gives you that diverse basket which the whisperer uh, will uh, will love and will uh, always talk about and he's right it does give you that always diverse basket but it hasn't been a stunning performer has it and yeah. considering the theme is such a such a massive one and we're all going oh you've got to have cyber security this one's just pretty much gone sideways to down uh, for the last year or so mm. so it is at the end of the day it's US tech um, and I don't know much about CrowdStrike all right well, Sorry. we'll, we'll get a rebuttal from uh, our other Please learned sir. friend <laughs> uh, my learned friend is correct over 12 months it's down 9% but what my learned friend is neglecting to mention over the last 5 years it's up 18% per annum so of course the rule of 72 it's doubling every 4 and a bit years so uh, we're both right okay alright okay that, that was very diplomatic was I um, alright uh, Scott wants a view uh, Henry on Mater Group uh, Mater Group is uh, sort of contract labour business uh, for the resource sector, isn't it? Uh, yeah, they fix machines, basically. Yeah. Um, they specialise in, uh, in tooling, and providing people for maintenance and all the big diggers and those sorts of machines. Great business, uh, good set of results. The company's been going really well. The only problem is that Luke Mader owns 57%, and I'm assuming his buddy Craig Burton owns nearly 20%. Right. So 70% of the stock is tied up with two guys, um, which doesn't mean it's a bad investment. It just means that it's not the most liquid. This one has gone left to right uh, on a nice, uh, fantastic growth trajectory. Uh, there's nothing wrong with it. We are you know, still in a bit of a resource boom. Uh, it may be uh, different resources, but uh, you know, coal's going nuts at the moment. Mm-hmm. So I, I have no problems with this. The problem is liquidity. Uh, two big guys in there. Uh, it's a very successful business. The figures were okay. Uh, the EBIT margin was up to 11.9% from 11.7%. So that was the EBITDA margin. Australia's going well. Revenue, 342 million uh, against a year ago, 273 million. So things are going well. And we've seen that with Monodelphus and one or two other mining services companies, that things are going quite well. So uh, no reason. This is a hold come by but it's just liquidity is the issue there's only 50,000 traded today uh, right. down nearly 4% but the, those two guys do uh, make it a bit hard for the rest of us okay uh, Andrew Lots and lots and lots to like about this, but Henry has nailed it that uh, 100,000 shares a day on average traded on a $650 million company. So we really do need the the two aforementioned shareholders to sell down, not a huge amount. I mean, it'd be nice if they sold down a huge amount over time, but we just need to create some liquidity. Probably the other thing I'm mindful of is they're just nailing Australia, that 90% of their revenue comes from Australia, 10% offshore, most of that's from Canada and obviously we're culturally aligned not only culturally but also from that resource space as well, so I'm always a bit nervous when Australian companies go offshore, there are some that do it incredibly well, CSL, but then there's others that perhaps have not done so well, lend, lease, etc. So my companies that go offshore chasing growth scare me a little bit, but the main issue is that liquidity piece, so it's an excellent business, but you just want to see some more liquidity. Geez, sitting on half of 650 mils, not a bad sort of uh, bit of wealth there, is there? From, uh, there is. From the bigger shareholder? Yeah. Take some profit yeah. and buy, buy a big house. Um, I'm, sure, I'm sure he's done that already, Cosby. Yeah, I think so, too. <laughs> um, and our final uh, stock that um, uh, you want us to have a look at, uh, Mav, Andrew, wants a view on Kogan, the online retailer that divides the market basically in half, does it? There are the Kogan lovers, there are the Kogan haters. Um, the, the haters bring up lack of transparency and governance and the lovers say, well, they do deliver on the results or the most recent results beat the market. Yeah, look, it's an interesting one. And I remember when uh, Henry and I used to be on another finance channel prior to Ausbiz, because there's only net one to watch now, Koshi. I want to be very clear yes. about that. In well, a there previous- is no other one now. So, yeah. You know what I'm saying? So in a previous life, we're not double timing you, I guess, <laughs> is what I'm saying. No. And... Uh, 
Ruslan was regularly dumping stock, uh, selling stock, I probably should say, and, you know, the market was not taking that news. Well, hasn't done that over the last 12 months because, as we see when we have a look at the chart, uh, the share price has not been in a happy little space at all. There we go, uh, Exhibit A. Um, so, and the, 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 you can't blame Kogan because they sort of went, okay, COVID's on the way, big shift in consumer spending, everything's going to be on Line. We're going to pour a whole heap of money into scaling up our operation, building up inventories, different types of businesses, transportation, but they got it wrong and the results reflected that. So it's got a really poor margin. It's got a poor return on equity. Consensus valuation is about four bucks. Uh, I can think of lots of reasons not to be there. If you sort of bought it on the way up, would I be selling it now? Probably not, but yeah, it's it's definitely not a buy and it's a tenuous hold. Are you, are you, are you uh, uh, avoiding retailers all up? Because uh, they've all been Me, smashed. Yeah. yeah, not not as bad as, as Kogan's been smashed, but even the, the good big ones are way down, aren't they? It's, it's certainly something that we're looking at, you know, like obviously your top tier ones, you've got your yeah. Premier and your JB Hi-Fi's, et cetera. But, you know, the next level down, and we've covered some of them on here, the Shaver Shop yeah. as an example. Yeah. Um, so we're, we're, we're mindful in that realm of 17, there is going to be some opportunity there, but what's the driver? What's going to sort of yeah. pick it back up again? And certainly rising interest rates is not one thing. Supply chain issues is not another thing. Uh, potentially rising rents is not another thing there's lots of headwinds so there's opportunity but i think you just continue to survey the rubble we're not buyers at this stage interesting uh henry is kogan part of the rubble uh, yeah, it is. <laughs> to, say, to say it's underwhelming is pretty much an understatement. <laughs> now, this thing was 25 bucks in October 2020. It is now $3.50. Now, that is not because the environment for, you know, the, the man in the street has stopped buying air fryers and stopped buying drones or whatever. They're still doing that. The problem is these guys have just stuffed it up and executed massively badly. You know, they, they bought all the wrong things at all the wrong times. They've had to cut the prices. I get 400 emails a day from Kogan trying to flog me an air fryer. Um, to be honest, um, you know, it deserves to be where it is. It was a pretty ordinary set of numbers. No earnings guidance for FY23. You know, it is a hold at best. Uh, this, you know, Ruslan's obviously been very successful with this business. He was even more successful in getting out of a big bunch of shares at a much, much higher price. And uh, the market's never really forgiven, I think, management for that. I, I think this is going to remain a um, a labradoodle. Right. <laughs> is that better or worse than a duck? Well, dogs eat ducks. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right, fair enough. I, I, I can't see too many reasons to get very excited about this unless they provide, you know, a massive turnaround in retail spending, which is not going to happen, and sure. they run down that inventory at good prices, which is not going to happen. Okay, all right. Avoid. Henry, great to see you. Thank you for joining us today. Likewise, Andrew, uh, keep the heaters on in chilly Toowoomba there today. Thanks, All right. Andrew Wyland there from uh, DP Wealth Advisory and Henry Jennings from Marcus today. Let's recap the final five stocks. Uh, Both had a hold on Macquarie. Uh, Flexi rumour no from both. Uh, A buy on global, the beta shares uh, cybersecurity ETF hack uh, for Andrew. uh, A hold from Henry. uh, Made a hold from both liquidity liquidity is uh, the issue there and sort of a, a, a weak hold if you like from uh, for Kogan which continues to disappoint uh, if you have any stocks you'd like us to cover here on the call put them in an email the call at osbiz.com.au and I'll put it to our expert panel uh, or tweet us using at TV. a reminder you can see all the stocks in the calls fantasy portfolio at osbiz.co forward slash portfolio see you same time tomorrow for another edition of the call. A lot more of Ozbiz ahead. Stick around.